welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show from the Labatt Blue Studio. Labatt Blue and Labatt Blue Light. Bleed blue and white, drink blue and light. And don't forget to try the new Labatt Blue Light Seltzer Variety Pack. Available at retailers throughout Pennsylvania. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number two. He's Dustin Hawkinsmith. I'm Jim Galante. And we are talking Outback Bowl. A game where Penn State scored a grand total of 10 points, Dusty. In today's game, you don't win games by scoring 10 points. And we talked a little bit about Rasheed Walker being out, Jahan Dotson being out. I don't know how great an effect they were to the offense. Let's talk about the players that they did have beyond Sean Clifford. And... We've gone every week of the Penn State season talking about Jahan freaking Dotson. Special player. I wonder if Jahan Dotson snuck into that game, changed jerseys, because Parker freaking Washington did a great imitation of Jahan Dotson, didn't he? I mean, I think at, at, his, at his heart, you know, the, the root of his game, it's built kind of on the same things that Jahan Dotson's game is built on. It's obviously not being a humongous player, but having a catch radius that's just ridiculous for your size. That's like Jahan Dotson. Parker Washington's a little bit thicker. Uh, I think he's, you know, a little bit more, um, you know, after the catch. Uh, his style is, is a little bit different than than Dotson. He, he kind of embraces being a running back whenever the ball is in his hands, which, by the way, there were moments where I was like, man, Parker Washington's their best running back in, in that game, too. But, um, but yeah, at, at his heart, I do think that he's, he's going to have a, a pretty broad um, – you know, common area with Jahan Dotson. You saw it in this game. Seven for 98 with that 42-yarder, that uh, one-handed catch. I mean, this was not a coming-out party for Parker Washington, but it was clear and a loud message delivered that with him as your wide receiver one, you're still going to be in really good shape. And I think um, it was it was a good time for him to break out of that shadow a little bit and, and to put on that number one hat and see how it felt. Um, I liked how he responded. I liked how it looked like he was competing out there. He looked like he was confident and comfortable and didn't it didn't matter who was on him, whether that was their second best cornerback or their or their top cornerback. Didn't really seem to matter all that much. And um, I think, you know, as much as anything, there were a few real optimistic things to come out of this game, but I think Parker Washington being a legit number one. Uh, was was definitely high on the list for me. I think you know answer, answered a big question in this game, and I fully expected him to. What what we've seen from him as a number two for two years, you know, hard to really think that this kid still just technically finished up his sophomore season. Um, he's further along as a sophomore than Jahan Dotson was. I think I've said that on here before, but uh, you saw it in this game too. Really, really big performance from him. Um, offered some pretty good proof that whatever you need him to do, deep, intermediate, short, uh, behind the line of scrimmage, jet sweeps, whatever you want to do to get the ball in his hands and game plan for that, just like you did with Jahan Dotson, he is capable of doing it. I always loved his ability to run the ball after the catch, and I I even th- thought earlier this year some of those plays, like you said, the jet sweeps, the quick uh, wide receiver screen where it's essentially an extension of the running game they've always told us, I think using Parker Washington in that role 
we won't be disappointed in him. Uh, Keandre Lambert-Smith, he, of course, got the touchdown catch. Pretty much a breakdown in the Arkansas secondary. Uh, I think he can definitely be the number two or three. The one that disappointed me, though, was we've been waiting for Malik Mega, haven't we? And maybe it's unfair to judge him on one opportunity, but he was open. He was open deep. It was one of Sean Clifford's passes that should have been caught, and Mega didn't catch it. Hard. Yeah, I, think, I don't want to judge a kid on one play, but it's tough not yeah. to. Yeah, you want you want to see, especially in a situation like this one where um, there's not much guaranteed in terms of the volume of opportunities. Um, your ability to cash in on those opportunities that at this point in his career can kind of define how quickly things are going to come to him, uh, how quickly he builds trust with the coaching staff, how quickly he builds trust with Sean Clifford. And it's a kind of a moment where he had the chance to do that. It didn't. It didn't happen for him. Uh, I, I still think you know the program still feels strongly about him. James Franklin still feels strongly about him. His his size and speed are still you know a really unique combination. So there's there's still that. Uh, but he's one of those guys. You know, you're bringing in uh, Mitchell Tinsley. You're you're gonna have a legit competition for that number three job next year, and uh, he's gonna have to work for it. You know, he's gonna have to make those types of plays consistently in practice before he's unleashed in a game. So yeah, he's going to be one of those guys who's going to have to fight like that. That, that number three job is not going to be handed to him. And when I say that I am, I am still working off the assumption that Keandre Lambert Smith is your number two. He's pretty, he's pretty well entrenched there going into next year. I don't know if that job is there for the taking, but that number three job, uh, you know, Malik mega is going to, going to have a lot of competition for it. Well, not to get too optimistic here, but a couple of our guys who scouted Mitchell Tinsley said uh, maybe not worry about him competing for number three or number two. He may be competing for number one. So he's that highly thought of. Uh, Speaking of fighting for number one, let's talk about the running backs. Again, we didn't see much of Noah Kane and Kevon Lee, but there were a couple good things going there. (laughs) Are these guys just fighting for number two behind Nick Singleton next year, Dusty? I mean, that is absolutely my expectation now. I mean, and, and I, I think the the lack of numbers in this game really spoke more to Penn State's impatience with it, which, you know, I, I really felt like, and I think, uh, right after the regular season, we were talking about, are they going to get that hundred yard rusher or not? And I said, yes. This seems like a big time priority for James Franklin to get that and to erase that and to say that that they did. But they were pretty quick to get away from both of these guys. Uh, you know, Kevon Lee four for thirty-five, Noah Kane five for twenty-eight. They looked like you know Noah Kane looked like he had a bit, a little bit of juice that that he didn't have for a lot of the regular season. Kevon Lee uh, showed kind of like the ability to put defenders on skates, which I don't think anybody else on the current roster can match. So I think you are going to have those guys, and you know it wouldn't surprise me one bit for week one next year if you have Lee or Kane as your starter, but it's obvious to everyone, just like it was obvious with Saquon Barkley. 
um, a few years ago that your best running back is not your current starter. And it's just going to be a matter of time before Singleton works into that, into that job. That's how I expect it to go. He's going to be the best running back without a doubt. He's going to be the best running back coming out of camp. It just, whether he is or isn't the starter yet, just might kind of come down to him seizing the opportunity in games, which to me, I mean, again, it's a formality. He's better than both of these guys. And um, the way that the season went, I mean, I really feel like they didn't have it together from a run blocking standpoint. The offense fell out of rhythm and never got back into rhythm. Um, but I also felt like the running backs just, they, they just weren't good enough either um, to overcome those things. Just like I felt like Sean Clifford wasn't good enough to overcome other areas of the offense that were off. These running backs weren't good enough to overcome the the lack of, of uh, wide running lanes. Um, I think Nick Singleton is the kind of guy who might just need a crease or if everything, if, if, if the run isn't blocked well enough, can find that cutback lane that these guys can't and hit it and be off. You know, I, I just feel like he's got a, another gear to his game that these guys don't. James Franklin's emphasis on getting the running game going and when asked about not having a 100-yard rusher, well, the season's not over, referring to the bowl game. With all that said... Were you surprised that Noah Kane and Kevon Lee had so many, so limited a number of carries? I, I was surprised with both of them. I think I was probably a little bit more surprised that Kevon Lee um, came in quick, did some quick damage. You know, four carries, thirty-five yards, had that long run of twenty-five down the sideline, uh, and then we pretty much didn't see him again for what thirty minutes of game time. So he became a non-factor just because he didn't get opportunities. Again, I don't know what's going on behind the scenes, if anything, or if these guys just uh, got pass happy because they felt like they needed to. But this wasn't a game that was completely out of reach. Uh, I just felt like they, they got away from the running game. Of all the games, Jim, to give up on the running game quickly, this was the one where both these guys were tasting some, <laughs> some success. Right, like I think sometimes just stay, just staying overly committed to that, you know, two yard, one yard, two yard, one yard, and now they ha- they have guys combined nine for sixty three yards, and and they, and they can't get a touch. Yeah, it, it was surprising, and I, I'm going to use this word that I'm not even sure what it means, but there was no rhythm to the offense. You know, there, they just never seemed to get that identity, this is what we know we can do, what we can build on, and by the time it hit the second half and Arkansas just ran all over them, the, the offense didn't have many opportunities. But the last part of the offense I wanted to ask you about was the offensive line. Again, Rasheed Walker out, Juice Scruggs making the uh, move to center. Uh, what's your reaction to how they performed? Well, I felt like there wasn't a noticeable drop-off and there wasn't a noticeable improvement. And I don't really know who that's, uh, if that's a compliment to this group, if that's an indictment of the, uh, you know, of the usual starting group or some combination of the two. But I didn't really notice much of a difference there when in terms of, you know, pressure on Sean Clifford, yeah, he faced some. You know, there were there were times where, you know, the line of scrimmage got pushed back a yard because but that's become customary, right? We we've kind of come to expect that that there's not a push up front, that they're that they're giving ground right off the snap. And there was some of that too. So 
I, I don't know. I mean, I, I didn't really feel like there was a noticeable change at all. And maybe that's a good thing for Olu Fashano. You know, I think, you know, he, he showed some skills that, that are, um, that could lend themselves to being a pretty high level tackle. Uh, yeah, you your Landon Tangwall in there. Yeah, Juice Scruggs playing the game at, at center. You know, I, I think there are some positive takeaways from from that. Um, looking at Juice Scruggs being your center and looking at maybe Olu Fushanu being that, that first guy to get the crack at, at starting at left tackle next year. But it, it just, in all ways, Jim, it just looked like the same old uh, on the offensive side of the ball. You know, we can talk about defense then, but uh, the offensive line didn't look like much of a different product to me. And that's kind of one of the disappointing things maybe for people is that at some point in time, weeks one through 13, certainly the bowl game when you have, uh, you know, a first time starter at left tackle, isn't the time to see rapid improvement, but you just didn't see much of a change from week one to now at all. If there's a group that needs an off season, (laughs) it's the offensive line. They, they need to hit the reset button there was never a point in this season where you said, look at the offensive line creating holes. Look at the great uh, amount of time they're giving Sean Clifford to throw the ball. I don't recall a game where I said that. Or just look how much better player A has gotten from week one to now. You know, Even that, because that's the mark of, of, a, of good coaching and a good team is to see these individuals get better over time. And I won't pretend to be an offensive line expert. You can ask Ross Tucker about this, but I, I just didn't see these guys look like much different versions of themselves individually either. All right, Dustin, that is it for the offensive side of the ball. We're going to look at special teams and defense when we come back. So make sure you stay tuned for that. This is where the temperatures are unkind. This is where water freezes in the blink of an eye. This is where the wind bites harder than a mid-ice cross check. This is where the beer is always on ice. This is Labatt Hockey, played the way Mother Nature intended. Labatt Blue is proud to support pond hockey and all the hearty souls that like to play it cool. This is Labatt Hockey. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. 